0: This is the evolution of the church, right? drive through. <laughs> Come on. drive through pulpit. You know, when Ken uh, asked me if I could provide pulpit supply, I was uh, pleased and honored, you know, to accept. Uh, and then I found out that he put me on Communion Sunday in front of a potluck. (laughs) Thanks, Ken. (laughs) You know, Dan uh, preached for about two and a half hours. (laughs) So, I don't have that luxury. It's 11.29. I've got 20 minutes. So, uh, that reminds me, you know, I've been, I've done pulpit supply before. um, Actually, long Maybe 35 years ago, the first time I was asked, you know, to do uh, pulpit supply. It was on a Wednesday night. Of course, that's where you have all the second string folks, right? The pastor's tired. He doesn't want to preach. He throws somebody in there. But I was honored. You know, I, in fact, I would remember being pretty paralyzed by it. I came up with six different sermons. And I went to him and I said, I just, I'm flustered. And he this is an old country preacher right? You know, with the big bushy eyebrows. And um, I was like, I don't know, what should I preach about? I I didn't know. And he he looked at me and, you know, I'm kind of watching those eyebrows. And he says, oh, about 20 minutes. (laughs) Best advice I ever got. Now, for those of you in the back, we're going to be looking in the Bible. They look kind of like this. If you've not, and this one actually has, you know, the red letters and all that. If any of you need, this is a spare. I brought it in case anybody forgot. No? No takers. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I just, helps me calm down a little bit to harass you folks. First thing, um, it is a privilege and an honor to stand, well, sit before you today. And I appreciate that. And I hope that God will... um, work through our hearts and through the Holy Spirit, because really it's not about me. We are all the family of God, right? We are all believers. We are united by our faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, aren't we not? So, um, as always, you, you try to open your heart for what God has. You always have in your mind, well, I want to do this, I want to do that. Um, and I had a, you know, a thought um, about what we would talk about today and prayed about it and um, figured without any opposition from the Lord that I would share that with you. And it also fits in well, you know, today by accident with the celebration of, of communion. Um, and we're going to talk about the unity uh, of the body of uh, believers. And I love that song, by the way, Matt, the last one there, It just really, you know, puts your heart in the right... Uh, place. And so should uh, communion, which we'll do here in a little bit. So um, we're going to be in John's gospel. If you want to flip over to chapter 17 of John's gospel, we're going to kind of move around in there a little bit. Um, And it's important uh, when you're reading any scripture to have some sense of the context. Um, And the book itself, there's a special context for for John because it was written much later than all of the other Gospels. And so the natural question would have been, well, why do this again if we've already got, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke? Why write another account? And from what we can see, um, John had a very specific purpose and objective in writing his Gospel, Um, and that was, who knows? This can be interactive, by the way. We're all in this together. Yes, the deity of Christ, because by the time John was, you know, in his later years, there were heresies that were already coming into the church, and one of them had to do with who really was Jesus, and John wanted to make sure that people understood very clearly that Jesus was God in flesh, which was a mind-blowing concept um, for the people of that time. And it was written specifically to counter that heresy that Jesus was anything less um, than God himself. It's also unique, the Gospel of John, um, from a content perspective. Um, he left out a lot of stuff that you'll find uh, in the other Gospels because he was, his intent was to focus on this. But there are some things that John includes that we wouldn't have had if he hadn't put it in there. Um, the marriage feast in Cana, for example including the miracle of the water into wine, that's unique, uh, and two other miracles also recorded in John that are not included in the other Gospels. Um, the woman of Samaria and that whole conversation, incredib- incredibly powerful um, things that went on in that just for a number of reasons. Um, Jesus washing the feet of the disciples was also highlighted very um, strongly in the uh, the gospel of John, and also much of the teaching that we have about the Holy Spirit comes from John's gospel. He also records um, the private conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus um, that we don't have elsewhere. But interestingly, there's no detail about the Passover meal. You know, the other gospels have quite a bit of information about what went on you know, during that meal and, you know, the, the controversy between, you know, about the betrayal and all of that. John doesn't even go there, but what he does include is what happened right after the meal, which is the focus today in chapter 7, which is what you probably heard referred to as the high priestly prayer. John has the entire thing in here. In fact, it's the longest single prayer that's recorded of Jesus um, in the gospel. In that regard, it's, it's very unique so we're going to focus on 17, but let's, let's look to also where we went to get here first. So in chapter 13, um, the Passover meal is mentioned. Um, he talks about the washing of the feet, um, and he announces that he will be betrayed, and he talks about the new commandment, right? That we should love one another, not as we love ourselves, but what? As Jesus loves us, as God loves us. And of course they didn't really understand probably the distinction of that yet, but they would very soon. Um, In chapter 14 he begins with his parting words. Uh, He talks about his departure and of course the the best but most underappreciated Apostle Philip asked to see the Father, which is really interesting. So there's in this all of this, this conversation, if you can imagine, the impact that it's having on these disciples as he's revealing things that um, were mind-blowing to them. So he predicts the coming of the Holy Spirit, and again, he starts talking about his departure, right? And then in 15, interestingly enough, he goes into the parable of the vine and the branches, um, which is to help them understand the importance of staying bonded To the source, which is Him. And He talks about the world's hatred, the world's hatred of Him, and the coming hatred of the world towards uh, His followers. Then we get to 16, uh, just before the part we're going to focus on, and He talks again about His departure. He talks about, He begins to talk about His relationship um, to uh, the Father. And then in chapter 17, we have the high priestly prayer. But again, think about it as, you, as we read through this, where are these disciples' heads are at at this point. I mean, they haven't even really come to grips with the fact that he's leaving, even though he's told them now several times, they can't imagine what would happen if he was gone. And you know how you have conversations with people and they're talking and you're trying to listen and they say something And you kind of grab onto that. You spend five minutes thinking about it. And they're still talking. They're already off on something way. And you're like, what? And your mind is stuck. I imagine for a lot of them, all they've heard up to this point is, he's leaving us. He's leaving us. So now he prays. And uh, in chapter 17, we have this prayer recorded. We're not going to read the whole thing. We're just going to kind of bookend it. right, we'll look at the beginning and then we'll look at a couple of key verses in the middle, and then we'll see how it closes. And we can do all of that in 15 minutes. All right, so if you're, if you're there now, uh, John uh, chapter 17, let me read the first uh, five verses. Um, this is from the New English Translation, um, since I don't speak Old English. Uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, I have to do this. I remember that preacher many years ago this whole debate about versions and he was adamant he said if the King James Version was good enough for Jesus it's good enough for us I'm sorry I love the King James Version all right but this is the New English translation all right John chapter 17 1 through 5 says when Jesus had finished saying these things He looked upward to heaven and said, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son so that your Son may glorify you, just as you have given him authority over all humanity so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. I glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me at your side with the glory I had with you before the world was created. Now, I mean, for us as believers, it's just breathtaking, right, to hear such clarity in what he's saying. But try and put your feet in, put your shoes in the, no. You put your feet in the shoes. No, they didn't wear shoes, did they? Put your feet in the sandals of the disciples that heard this statement. I can't imagine. Now, at this point, they, most of them or some of them are probably just beginning to understand that Jesus is the Messiah. If they've got that far, they're lucky. And now Jesus has just equated himself with the Father, in their hearing it's hard to imagine it has to be beyond shocking for them to hear these words in their presence it would have been a blasphemy right for a human being to say such things Um, it would have just blown their categories Um, i don't know what their mindset would have been but this is how he starts and then he continues In verses 6 through 19 now, he's going to pray specifically for the disciples that are present with him at that very moment. And let me pull just one verse out. Uh, Read with me verse 11, chapter 17. He says, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them safe in your name that you have given me so that they may be one, just as we are one. Then in verses 20 through 26, he prays for you and me. And you have to imagine that he had our names and faces in mind as he prayed this prayer, because he knew each and every one of us before we were formed in the womb. That's beyond our ability really to understand that. But he's praying for everyone, including you and I, that are going to come uh, after. Uh, Look at uh, verses 22 and 23, and this is what he says about us. He says, The glory you gave to me, I have given to them. Well, think about that a minute. Why? That they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be completely one. Why? So that the world will know that you sent me, and you have loved them just as you have loved me." All right we're going to come back to that, but let's wrap this up with the other bookend, which is verse 26, which is the end of the prayer. He says this: "I made known your name to them, and I will continue to make it known. So that the love you have loved me with may be in them, and I may be in them. Now for me it's interesting this, because I don't I, I looked at some commentaries, but it's it's not really clear what he means when he says, I made known your name. Because for them as Jews, they would have thought, well, we know your name, or we know the name of the Father. We're not allowed to speak it. You know, we can't say it out loud. But now he says, I have given you your name, which is the Father's name. It's very interesting. Um, These were the last things that Jesus said to his disciples uh, before he left uh, to go to his death and resurrection. So I would say they're probably important, right? They're probably something that we should um, pay attention to. And then anything that Jesus says more than once in the same prayer is probably really, really important he wanted us to get this, that is that we should be one just as he is one with the Father now I, as I mentioned, this this idea, this topic of the unity of the assembly of of God right of the church of God, the ecclesia, which is you and I, you know has been uh under attack right you can see it so clearly over the past few years it's never been more obvious how much the enemy wants to divide us right through all the things that we're going through in the world and with politics and with covid all of this is used by the enemy to try to divide us why because he recognizes how important uh, this is uh to us um and it's, it's clear that this was important to Jesus, that we understand this, the significance of our unity and the requirement for it, and especially for us now, as we're going through a time of change that's always difficult you know, for us as human beings. You know, We hate change, unless it's a different paint and decor in, in the house, right? But change is difficult for us, especially in the church. And this, this is a time like no other where we need to draw together as a body and lift each other up, right? Share your love for one another. Don't just assume people know that you care about them. Tell them, let them know. Remind them that we are all one in Christ and we will, in the end, meet him in the air. We have that to look forward to. So why does he ask this there's a few things if you were listening to those verses this need for unity is to keep us safe to keep us safe to give us if you can imagine it to give us the glory of the father the glory of the father in us and why so that we would be one and then the last reason that he includes in there for the for this unity the purpose of this unity is that the world will know that he sent him, right? And he sends us. So keep that in mind. I hope you find this a little encouraging and maybe a little uh, set you in the right mind to talk about communion because communion is a celebration of that unity, all right? He said, do this together, right? When you, whenever you come together, that you should do this in remembrance of him, So the elders are going to come and uh, I'm going to pray for us and then we are going to celebrate communion this morning. Uh, Won't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord Christ, help us to have a heart of unity. Help us to reach out to one another. Help us to work and to live as one. As As you are one, let us be one as well with a common purpose, a common spirit, a common love. And because of that, let the world see us and want to have what we have. Let us be loving and kind to those around us, even those that don't deserve it. Draw us together in the bond of love, we pray in Jesus' precious name, amen. Oh, that's right. The elders don't have anything to do, do they? It's all on me. <laughs> right, I got it. All right, uh, let me read uh, in the, the familiar passage of Corinthians where Paul, you know, who was the disciple who was born abnormally, right? That's how he referred to himself, right? He didn't have the privilege of actually witnessing the, this, this event right, that he's telling us about. He, he got to hear about it afterwards, but he, like us, appreciated it and uh, conveyed the significance of it. So the, the reason that we celebrate communion is to enhance and to symbolize and to represent and to make a public statement of our unity with Christ, right, individually. And also we do it together as a symbol of the unity that we share as believers, right, in the common uh, family of God. So let me read what Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians. So he says here in uh, 1 Corinthians 14:23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's take the bread together and for a moment just uh, quiet your hearts and think of his words as we share together. In the same way, after supper he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So let's take this together, the symbol of the blood of Christ. All right, let's pray together and we'll have the worship team come back up and close us with uh, some worship time together let's pray thank you lord once again that we can come together in peace and safety we tend to take it for granted because so many people around the world don't even have the luxury of a beautiful facility and warmth and light let us appreciate that we can come together in peace and freedom um, to worship you to open your word we pray that the words that are spoken today Uh, would be filtered through the Holy Spirit in our heart and uh, would dwell there in truth. Uh, Be with us as we continue worship. And Lord, we ask your blessing on the food that we're also about to receive. Um, Let us reach out to one another and enjoy our time of fellowship. We ask all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.